Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Like I said, we will be off Monday for Christmas, and this is, you know, our holiday show, and we're keeping it light. We're getting through a lot of fun stuff here, but what's happening at our border is a pressing issue that no one in the White House seems to want to talk about. And I did think it was important just because of the sheer amount of different headlines I've been reading over the last couple of days about what's going on there to talk about it. And who better to talk about it with than Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies. Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time on this Friday before Christmas to join the Grace Curley Show. It's my pleasure. And Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. Merry Christmas right back at you. Okay, so Jessica, the first thing I want to ask you is to respond to a cut here from Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. And it's kind of twofold. First of all, she's saying there's nothing weird going on at the border. But then second of all, she's drumming up all these excuses for why the Biden administration can't do anything. Take a listen to this and give us your reaction. This is cut five. That is also, um, uh, you know, is important is the message that we have to send to, to smugglers, right? We have to be be very, very mindful because they also put out misinformation. So we try to be uh, mindful there as well. And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly, uh, it you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades. And the president has taken this very seriously to try to do more. That's why we have the comprehensive immigration policy legislation that the president put forth on day one. So, yes, there is more to be done, but we need the help of Congress to get that done. Jessica, do you think what's happening at our border is nothing unusual? And also, are you buying this idea that there's nothing they can do as far as the White House goes with enforcing the laws that are already on the books? Oh, no. Her remarks would be laughable if they weren't so infuriating, uh, because it's not true at all. Um, you know, there is a, a lot that can be done to secure the border. It was secure when Joe Biden inherited the border, and he's had three years to fix the problems, and it's only gotten worse and worse and worse. This is highly unusual. It's historic. Um, actually, you know, if, if she wants to refer to historical trends, normally the, the traffic, uh, it, the illegal traffic over the border goes down around the holidays because illegal aliens have already gone back home and they're going to come back in January. Uh, but this is not, uh, I, I, you know, the smugglers are, are telling people, I'm sure, that, you know, it's possible that Biden's uh, going to have to give in and, and tighten things up at some point because the Congress is going to make him. So you better come now, uh, you know, get get here as soon as possible, because this could all end. The party might be over soon. I, I have my doubts about that. But um, this, you know, this is not due to anything that they inherited. It's not that it's not a force of nature. There are many things that they could do about it. Um 
for, for her to talk about Joe Biden's amnesty bill that he inter- supposedly put forward on day one. He hasn't spoken about it since. <laughs> so it's not like he's actually pushing it or anything. And, you know, I mean, no one on the Hill is in the mood for an amnesty right now, for sure, with all that's going on. If anything, his reckless open border policies are poisoning uh, the appetite of Americans for any more generosity uh, with respect to immigration policy. Jessica, there's a a lot of um, talk over this new law that was signed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Some of the words being used to describe it, extreme, racist. Can you explain to the audience what Greg Abbott is trying to do in Texas and why is he receiving this backlash from our media and from Democrats? You know, the more common sense um, the uh, state immigration law is, the more it's going to be slammed for being racist and extreme. (laughs) I mean, you know, the more you know it's going to work, um, the, the, the more it has to be shouted down. Uh, what the Texas legislature has done is, is given local and state law enforcement authorities the, um, the ability to arrest someone who has, um, they have reasonable suspicion, and that's, you know, defined clearly, uh, um, for who has crossed the border illegally. And, and then this is what the left really doesn't like is that um, the authorities, instead of process, the, the alien has a choice between um, sitting in jail if they're found guilty or uh, being escorted back to the port of entry. And the, if they don't choose deportation, they're either going to sit in jail. And if they go are taken, if they choose port of entry and then they come back or they refuse to go once they get there, a judge has the ability to. Um, convict them of a felony. So the idea is you incentivize people to to accept repatriation. And, you know, I have to admit this is pushing the envelope, but they're, first of all, the situation, Texas is just overrun, absolutely overrun. And, you know, they're getting no help from the federal government. It keeps coming and they have to do something. But secondly, their aim, their, their actual design behind this bill is to get it before the Supreme Court and see if this court will um, define what a state can do in this kind of a situation where the feds refuse to enforce the law. Oh, interesting. And, and can they act on behalf of their citizens? That's, I mean, my understanding from people who are very close to this bill is that they they knew that there were going to be lawsuits and their whole point of doing it is not not because they think that every cop in Texas is going to go around arresting illegal aliens, but because some will, and um, it needs to go to the Supreme Court to define how states can react in a situ- an unprecedented situation like we've had under Joe Biden. Yeah, and to your point, Jessica, they're desperate. They're, they're desperate, and when you're desperate, you'll throw stuff against the wall and hope that it gets a reaction out of people and hope that some people will start to be proactive when it comes to what's happening on our border. Um, I'm speaking with Jessica Vaughn, and now, Jessica, I want to play a cut for you from Hillary Vaughn, who was talking to John Kirby, another member of the Biden cleanup crew, and they were discussing the court dates that illegal aliens are given. And I'll be honest, Jessica, I think I'm I'm pretty in the know with these kind of things. I talk to you a lot. I read CIS.org. But I had no idea that these were the kind of numbers that we're dealing with as far as years out for court dates. So I want to play this. This is cut two. 
Some illegal border crossers are being given court dates in 2031. What are they supposed to do here for seven years? Again, that's a better question put to the DHS. I'm not in a position to, to talk about specific cases like that. The president believes that we've got to do better at immigration, and he's willing to talk and negotiate with members of Congress about immigration policy just as well as he is about border security. But I'm not in a position to talk After about this specific is that the norm, Jessica, to, to be giving people court dates seven years out? Absolutely not. It's never been this bad. I mean, our immigration court system was dysfunctional before, and now it is just, uh, you know, com- it's completely broken by the open borders. And, and this has happened because under the Biden Mayorkas policies, People, almost every well, I would say it's probably like 70% of the people who come across illegally are released into the country. Only 6% of them are actually saying that they fear return to their home country. Um, but everybody is allowed in and they say, go report to ICE um, where they'll give you a court date or sometimes the Border Patrol will give them that court date. And there are so many people, I mean, we're talking like 3 million people in the last three years have been allowed to enter in this way. And that's why the dockets are so backed up. And that's why, you know, I mean, this is why Biden is doing, they know that this is a situation and that they'll let people in, they get to stay here until their case is heard. And, you know, that gives them time to, you know, have kids, um, dig in, you know, become in, in you know, in, embedded in our society, and they're betting that no one has the guts to try to make them go home. I mean, they've broken this system, and it is a joke right now. And for them, you know, for the spokespeople to claim that, like, they can't comment on that, well, you know, they look like fools, frankly. Yeah, it's just passing the buck. And to your point, it's probably a pretty safe bet that those illegal aliens are making. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, Jessica, is this. I'm speaking with Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies. This insane story from Ashley St. Clair, who I believe works for the Babylon Bee. And she was on a flight. She was she was on a flight from Phoenix to New York City. And she sees all of these illegal aliens. She recognizes the bags that they have as bags that people tend to get when they're crossing over the border illegally. And she starts asking questions. Questions and the flight attendant says to her, you know, what does it matter? They're humans, too. In other words, trying to like morally shame her a little bit for even being curious as to how these people are getting on the plane. And she talked a lot about the identification. Now, Jessica, when I go on a plane, a lot of people are traveling. It's the holiday season. When you go on a plane, we have to show licenses. Are these people showing identification or or are in some cases are people just getting on planes? and We have no idea who these people are. No, most of them are trashing their identification, leaving it behind in Mexico before they cross, um, sometimes because they don't want to be identified. And, you know, they're told to by the smugglers um, so that they can, um, you know, at some point in time claim to have a fear of return, perhaps, because they don't want um, the authorities to know that they were have crossed through all these other countries or been living in a third country, even if they're, say, Venezuelan, they've been living in Chile for three years, but they want to be able to say that, you know, they're fleeing Venezuela because of the oppression there. Um, but we ha- And we have no idea who these people are. Or, or maybe they're coming here from, say, uh, the West Bank, and they want to pretend to be, say, uh, from Afghanistan. <laughs> we would have no, you know, no way of knowing 
Um, they don't want to be identified. There are all kinds of reasons people don't want to be identified. They don't have to show anything. Uh, we can't vet them at all. And they're allowed to waltz onto aircraft, usually priority boarding, showed their seats, um, you know, no, you know, TSA line for them, um, and and flown across the country, courtesy of U.S. taxpayers, by the way, and um, treated as, you know, first-class travelers while the rest of us paying citizens have to go through all the hassle that air travel is these days. Jessica, I'm going to throw this at you last minute. Is there any way you could stick with us through the break? And then I just have a few more questions for you. Is that possible? Sure. Awesome. Okay. I want to ask Jessica about this new uh, research study out of the Center for Immigration Studies about taxpayer-funded welfare. Because a a caller had said to Howie last week, well, Howie, you keep complaining about illegal aliens on welfare, and you can't get on welfare if you're not in this country legally. And Howie didn't even bother to go back and forth with the guy. He was like, you know what? Okay, whatever planet you're on, you're good. Have fun there. But I want to ask Jessica about it because Steve Camerata from the Center for Immigration Studies was on Fox explaining this. And I also want to ask her about some of the towns and cities in Massachusetts that are sheltering migrants. It's the weirdest thing. The wealthy liberal towns in this state are not partaking in the sanctuary city vibes that other towns are having to uh, take on. So we'll talk to Jessica about that on the other side. But in the meantime, Jared, you were off this week and you weren't able to tell people about something that I think is a great Christmas gift. I think it's a great Christmas gift. It's a great opportunity to get away. And it's the Nauset Beach Inn. And you can attest to this. Yeah, it's uh, it's right down in Cape Cod. It's, it's in the Cape Cod seashore. I think it's the only hotel in the Cape Cod seashore. Um, it was the most tranquil place I've ever been. It's a, you know, it's a, a smaller inn. So there's some intimacy there and you are right on the beach. I mean, the views are incredible, whether it's, it's outside sitting at the fire pits when it gets a little cooler, have your morning coffee, watch the sunrise, or, you know, just go out at night, look at the stars, watch the moon rise. Um, if you don't like to be outside, it's a little too cold. You're okay inside because each room has its own fireplace, so it's super cozy. There's giant picture windows in every room, so you can look out at the ocean. You can be you can be warm. You can be tranquil. Uh, the views are incredible, and it's the Cape in the winter, which is the time to be on the Cape. It's not as hectic. You can get reservations, and you can just enjoy kind of the laid-back beach vibe that you don't get in the summer. Fireplace, ocean view room. Cape Cod in the off season. What's not to love? I'm going to make it just a little bit better for people, Jared, because with these prices, I mean, you can't beat this. Under $200 for this stay this winter. So make sure you go to NossetBeachInn.com to get your room now. That's NossetBeachInn.com. Don't miss out on this. It's NossetBeachInn.com. When we come back, we're going to finish up this interview with Jessica Vaughn, ask her a few more questions, and then we'll go back to your calls. This is The Grace Curley Show. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. 
Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies is with us now. And Jessica, your colleague, Steve Camerata, he's the research director at the Center for Immigration Studies, and he was on Fox explaining the situation when it comes to taxpayer-funded welfare. Now, Howie Carr had a listener recently who said, well, Howie, you're so worried about illegal aliens getting on welfare and us paying for it, but you're not allowed to be on welfare if you're illegal. Now, this new study says that three in five illegal immigrant households are on welfare, taxpayer-funded welfare. How can that be? If Democrats are telling us that's not even legal, uh, well, it's it happens um, for a couple of reasons. And um, to be clear, um, what's um, unique about the way my colleague Steve Camerata um, looks at this is he tabulates the number of immigrant-headed households that are accessing welfare programs. A lot of other researchers prefer to um, just look at immigrants themselves, and that excludes the U.S.-born children of illegal aliens. So that kind of artificially pushes down um, the welfare usage rates when you do it that way, um, because U- U.S. citizen kids are entitled to Medicaid and so on. Um, and, you know, realistically, when um, a U.S.-born baby of an illegal alien family um, is collecting Medicaid, you know, it's the the whole household and the parents who are benefiting from that, really. So that's why we do it that way. And um, we don't want to understate the the usage. So, yeah, it's um, three in five immigrant-headed households are collecting um, benefits, often on behalf of their U.S.-born kids. But the other way is because Federal law allows states to give welfare benefits to illegal aliens if they if they choose to do it, if they pass legislation to do that. And a lot of big states do it, California, New York, um, and um, Massachusetts as well does not deny these benefits to illegal aliens. So they, they can and do collect welfare benefits, and they do so at higher rates than legal immigrants and much higher rates than U.S. citizens uh, collect welfare. And it's expensive. And it that's not even counting the fraud from imposters who are pretending to be eligible citizens with false documents. Jessica, um, just we only have a minute here left, but there's a, a new report out uh, the the Healy administration in Massachusetts has published 100 Massachusetts communities that are sheltering migrants. And I I couldn't help but notice, and a lot of people are pointing out on social media, some of the more liberal, uh, woke, progressive, wealthy communities in Massachusetts are not on this list. What gives? I mean, I thought that we were all supposed to do our fair share. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no Wellesley doesn't show up there. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's not a coincidence, I don't think. It's the usual places like Worcester and Springfield and uh, Lynn and Framingham where the housing costs are lower that are expected to accommodate these illegal migrants. And, you know, it's because the state government is in charge of placing them and they get to pick where, you know, which towns have to put up with this. 
And that's why, you know, it's, there's a lot of nimbyism as far as, um, you know, having migrants. Remember how quickly the migrants were forced to depart Martha's Vineyard <laughs> when <laughs> Governor Abbott or, or Governor DeSantis, excuse me, sent them there. So, yeah, it's, you know, they, they figure that it's, um, you know, it's safer to put them, you know, let, let other people deal with that and, and not have them interrupt the Wellesley lifestyle. Absolutely. Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for joining us. Stanley's been on the line for a long time. Let's go to Stanley. What's going on? Well, hi, Grace. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your staff. You as well, sir. Okay. Um, I'd like to talk about the Colorado Supreme Court decision and why I'm happy about it. Sure. And the reason I'm happy is because even the lowest progressive that lives in the state of uh, of Colorado uh, should recognize the fact that this is the method of operation of the Democratic Party against Donald Trump that's been going on for seven years. This is exactly what they do, and I'd like to just give a little comparison with this little verbiage. Mm-hmm. Hamas is to Israel as progressive is the United States of America. No, I would disagree with that, Stanley. I don't think that's a that's an accurate analogy. Um, but what I'll say about the Supreme Court decision, the Colorado Supreme Court decision, is that this whole idea of, and the key word with what you said was should, that people should recognize that this is not right. People should recognize that um, this is the weaponization of our justice system. Yes, but people should also realize that their lives were a lot better under Donald Trump than they are now, and they don't. So it's hard to figure out what people should understand when they're in such a bubble that it's hard to break. But no, just again, for the record, I'm not comparing the left in America to Hamas. We we have to keep perspective here. Hamas is a group of people who went into kibbutzes in Israel and beheaded people and raped them. And, and I don't like when the left uses this hyperbolic language, and I'm not going to use it on my show. But I do appreciate the call, sir, and I do wish you a very Merry Christmas, even if we uh, are going to disagree on that point. David, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, David. Yes, yes ma'am. Um, so um, I was looking into um, the IRS and looking into some things that's going on with them. And, and you know, far as dependency status, did you know that up under the IRS, when it goes to dependency status, that that you don't have to be a U.S. citizen, but you can be a, a, a Canadian citizen and a Mexican citizen and be considered and be claimed as a dependent on your on your IRS taxes? I did not know that. Yeah, I was just looking at it. I'm like, you know, because I was looking at dependency status because, you know, I was born in the United States, but I, I, I have family members in Jamaica and Canada and England and other places, and I was just looking at, you know, dependency status and different things. I'm like... And I, and I just saw that, and I was like, "That's weird." Because how can you how can you allow someone that is not a citizen of the United States 
to be claimed as a dependent, but you only do it for those two countries, period. So it shouldn't be done. I, I don't agree it should be done at all, but you're only doing it for Canada and Mexico. I'll, I'll tell so you this. Uh, I'm sorry, David, interrupt. I'll tell you this. I don't know enough about that that particular circumstance. I will look into it. I will do some research and I'll try to report back. I really thank you for the call. And, you know, David just brought up the IRS. That's a whole nother conversation we could have. We talked about Joe Biden and part of this Inflation Reduction Act involved 87,000 new IRS agents. And I'm not so sure that that's that's really in the cards anymore. And I'm not so sure Joe Biden would want it to be in the cards. With all the tax evasion going on with the Biden crime family, I don't know how many more agents they really want snooping around their business dealings. No, but I appreciate the call, David. But in all honesty, I'd have to look into it. I'm not an IRS expert, unlike Hunter Biden and his crew. Um, I did want to go back here, though, to the decision out of Colorado, because What I found amusing about it, and sure, there's a lot of serious things we have to keep in check where this is going to lead us. The slippery slope, I know I use that a lot, but in this case, it is definitely appropriate. But the thing I wanted to talk about here is some funny sounds. So you have Chris Hayes and you have Jeffrey Tubin on MSNBC. What? Damn! Jeffrey Tubin? What a deadly combination. And these two got together and they decided to talk about their shared concern over the safety of the Colorado Supreme Court justices. And I wanted to play this for you here. This is cut nine, please. The final thing I'll say uh, and ask you, Jeff, is there's also the threat of violence towards the judges, the, the justices on the state Supreme Court and the SCOTUS justices. Like they signed that majority opinion per curiam anonymously, essentially. You can look up their names, but that's a real concern yeah, as well. I mean, th- this there is violence hovering. Or, you, know, you know, there was just an, a, an arrest in Arizona that didn't get much publicity recently about someone threatening to kill, um, you know, all sorts of federal officials. You know, violence hangs over this. January 6th um, was was, um, you know, there is an aggressive prosecution has taken place. But right wing violence in this country is continuing. And yeah. uh, uh, the FBI director has spoken about how difficult it is to stop it. And and it hasn't gone away. A few things, a few things. And far be it from me to try to correct Jeffrey Tubin from formerly of The New Yorker and formerly of CNN. If you want to find out why that's a formerly in front of that, um, you can do some Googling on your own. Just be careful. Be careful out there. If you're Googling Use Jeffrey an Tubin. Incognito window. Yeah. Yeah. You've been warned. Um, but a few things, Jared. One is that I, I don't remember any outrage from the left when Chuck Schumer told Gorsuch and Kavanaugh that they had released the whirlwind and would pay the price if they didn't rule the way he wanted them to on certain high-profile abortion cases. And furthermore, were any of these people, like Jeffrey Tubin or Chris Hayes, were they worried when a nut was threatening to kill Brett Kavanaugh and he was found near Brett Kavanaugh's home carrying a gun, a knife, and if that wasn't enough, zip ties and a backpack? I don't, I don't remember that. And I love how he says right-wing violence. And then he wants to bring up Christopher Ray. So glad you brought him up, Jeffrey. Because you know what else Christopher Ray's been talking about recently? The rise in anti-Semitism. And no, no, no. I'm not talking about the uh, tiki torch Nazis that you guys are always apoplectic over. I'm talking about the progressives. I'm talking about, ready for this, the far left. 
I'm talking about the people at the Boston Common writing Jesus was Palestinian, uh, spoiler alert, he wasn't, on a nativity scene in the Common. Or how about a... How about putting graffiti on the gates of the White House or the Lincoln Memorial? Or how about uh, a D.C., I'm sorry, a Democrat Christmas party in Detroit where one woman, an elderly Democrat, has two black eyes now? Not because of far right violence, but because of far left, woke, Harvard style indoctrination and violence. It's, It's not far right as much as you might want it to be. And in fact, I can't remember. In fact, these people were so unbothered by all of this far left violence towards Supreme Court justices that Merrick Garland, the attorney general Merrick Garland, he couldn't even be bothered to have people who were demonstrating outside of the justices' homes protesting. He couldn't even be bothered to arrest those people, even though it is illegal. It is against federal law to try to influence a justice, to be protesting on their front lawns. But Merrick Garland wasn't worried about it. Nobody was worried. Nobody was concerned until now. And now Jeffrey Tubin, the voice of reason that he is, is here to tell us that he's worried about this rhetoric and this violence against these justices. Certain justices warrant concern. Their safety warrants concern. Brett Kavanaugh, who likes beer, by the way, does not warrant any of that concern. Neither does uh, Amy Coney Barrett. No. That's fine. Because she's a conservative woman. She's a problematic woman. So who cares if she feels safe, right? 844-500-4242. We have more sound to get to. It's not just MSNBC where the craziness is happening. It's everywhere. But I want to stay on this for a second because I think people forget. I think people forget all of the threats that were made to these Supreme Court justices, everything that they had to deal with. And now it's back in vogue to be worried that they're facing intimidation. And by the way, I'm against it. I'm against death threats. I don't know how many times I got to say it, but I'll say it every time. It's not hard for me to say. But what about when the threats were coming from the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, now Senate Majority Leader? Let's, Let's take a flashback here of Chuck Schumer. This is cut 10. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Senator Chuck Schumer out of New York spreading some right-wing violence at our Supreme Court justices. Hmm, you hate to see it. 844-500-4242. When we come back, I would like to play some great sound that I think you'll all appreciate from Douglas Murray. He was taking on, tell me, Jared, again, Uyghur. Chank Uyghur. Chank Uyghur. And you know what? I've seen him a million times. I never knew his name. I've never watched anything. Every time there's a cut of him, it's usually something where he's getting in a fight with someone. He picked the wrong fight. I can tell you that much. He picked the wrong fight. This was a battle of wits, and Uyghur came totally unarmed. So we will play that for you. It's a great cut. And at 2.05, we've got... 
We've got Emma with Last Call and so much more, Jared. We're going to continue to talk about, oh, you know what we got to do? We got to do the poll question. We got to continue to talk about the lights. Let's do the poll question now. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. Reduce your heating bills with the Gen 40 heater. Order fast and now at EdenPureDeals.com. Save $50 with code GRACE50 and get free shipping. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE50. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurlyShow.com, is what's your Christmas lights preference, white or multi? Candles in the window. I like my <laughs> candles in the window. Um, if I had to choose, I'm going to say white. 38% now for white and 62% say multicolored. Wow. You know, I'd be curious to look back at last year and see how this trends. Because we do this poll. It's like the pancake breakfast. We do this poll every year. And I don't know. I don't think it was I don't think it was this, this much in favor of the multicolored uh, lights before. But happy to see it. Happy to see it. When we come back, we'll take more of your calls. We'll talk a little bit more. And I want to talk about the economy, Jared, because there was some good news on the inflation front for Biden until, of course, it gets revised in a month or two. But I'm guessing that no matter where he's going, I think he goes, where does he go for Christmas? St. Croix? Is that what it is? St. Croix, I think he goes. I'm guessing he's going to make one final statement today. That's my bet. That's my bet is that he's going to come out and take a victory lap. Inflation dropped like a percentage and he's going to come out and say, you know, the Grinch did not steal Christmas. And I'm sure I have that wrong, by the way. I don't think it was actually a percentage. That seems that seems like it would be a lot. America's back. But for how many more Christmas? (laughs) So-called Christmas. 844-500-4242. I'll have that story for you when we return. Don't go anywhere. And also, you know, we're talking about inflation. Things are getting expensive. You can save a lot of money by getting Omaha Steaks, and you get a lot of product. This is a great Christmas gift. You don't want to miss out on it. Jared, tell people what your favorite part of Omaha Steaks is. I am a, I love steak, but I got to tell you, their hot dogs, the, uh, the beef franks are the best hot dogs. I've ever had. Anytime I order whatever I'm ordering from them, I always add that on as uh, either a component or an a la carte for that. Uh, I love the the filet, the bacon wrap filet. I love their burger flight that they had with all the different kind of uh, ground steaks into the burgers. Uh, really, you can't go wrong. They have pork chops, which I hadn't really had a pork chop in a while till Emma talked about it last week, and, and she is right. A good pork chop, you don't really think about it. Underrated. But I had a really good pork chop on Monday. Uh, from Omaha Steaks, and you know, whatever it is, salmon. Uh, they have weird, exotic things you might not think of, like venison and and duck and some other things too. So just go there because right now everything's fifty percent off. You can get things that you want. You can try new things. Don't forget the desserts like the caramel apple tartlets. They have sides, scallop potatoes. It's 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 a restaurant. Basically, you you can order like a menu at a restaurant, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper. You don't have to go to the grocery store. And it's a great gift. And even if you don't get it in time for Christmas, you put a little, put a picture of a steak in an envelope and say, hey, I've got delicious steaks and beef franks and hamburgers coming your way. It's the perfect Christmas gift. Like Jared said, you save 50% off site wide. You get the additional $30 off your order. So Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. And you want to take advantage of this. Go to omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of the 50% off site wide. Please don't forget to use promo code GRACE. That's my Christmas wish. I'm just trying to save you money. I'm just trying to help. Use promo code GRACE. Minimum order may be required. By the way, (laughs) don't get mad at me, everybody, okay? It's Friday. 
It's been a long week. This was my Potomac moment. It's 0.1%. I knew I was wrong when I said it. I dropped a percentage point. I was like, that cannot be right. That would be that would be really... Then Joe Biden, they'd have to throw him a parade before Christmas. Joe's good. He's not that good. 0.1%. Which, you know what? As far as the media is concerned, it might as well be a full percentage point. They're going to come out banging their drums. He's the best around. Everyone's going to be really excited. That sounds like his passer rating at the uh, HCBU where he played quarterback slash flanker back. We should have our own version of Squawk Box where I just throw out numbers (laughs) and people go, that can't be right. That's crazy. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. Oh, my gosh, Jared. I don't know what I did with that Daily Mail story. I knew I had something that I wanted to discuss that I was putting off. And I was like, what is this story? The Daily Mail has a fun holiday story for us. And you know who it involves? Michael LaRosa. He was a Jill Biden's oh. aide. He was the guy who was, at the time, uh, yeah. when she had the Bogota situation with the breakfast tacos, or, you know, oh, you guys are as unique as tacos. That's what she said to the Hispanic population, I think. Um, yeah, San Antonio. He was at that time on her crew and I need to find, I don't know what's, I'm just losing everything today, but I'll tell you this much. This is what I do now. I know that this guy, this aide of Jill Biden, what he did was, it was interesting. This is why I always say like, where's the palace intrigue? Where's the juicy scoop? I love some gossip and we don't get any out of this administration. And I'll tell you why, because this dude gets he didn't get fired he got a new job in the private sector but the new reports are saying that they were really trying to push him out for a while and what he did recently jared was he decided to criticize the biden administration and he even suggested like oh this is why joe biden needs a new team so that's a direct if i left here jared and i started tweeting like you know they really need a new team at the grace curly show and i started taking direct hits at you you then it's gloves are off. So the, the people that are working for Joe Biden are like, oh, hell no. We're not letting this guy ruin our reputations or make us lose our jobs. And so what do they do? They start leaking stories about how Joe Biden's aide got in trouble because he was trying to bring back a date up on a secure floor when he was staying at a hotel where the first lady was staying. He tried to bring back a date to the floor and the Secret Service said, no. And then he tried to do it again later. And then the question becomes, is that is that the best they have? I mean, compared to the stuff we're seeing now. I mean, that's a rookie move. You're supposed to bring them to a Senate chamber and then film it. <laughs> right. I was reading this story. and I was like, you know what? Maybe two weeks ago, this story would have been something. But now if this is the best you have on this guy, he sounds like compared to the other people at the White House, and, you know, in D.C., in the Beltway, he sounds like a stand-up guy to me. 
If that's the worst thing, is that he asked the Secret Service, can I bring this guy up? This is I, Mike Johnson's grandfather level. I went on a date with this guy. I had a couple drinks with him. I want to bring him back to my hotel room. And the Secret Service said, no, you can't. So then he didn't. That's the best you got. We have people making porn in the state Senate. Uh, I'm sorry, not the state Senate. In the Senate hearing room, in the Heart 216 room. And you think this guy having a couple drinks with somebody and saying, can I bring him back up to my hotel room? That's not going to cut it anymore. The bar has been raised. So the Daily Mail's got to meet it. We'll be right back.